0: Love Talk Radio. You're listening to Music Woman Live with your host, Dr. Diva JC. Supported by Women in Jazz South Florida, www.wijsf.org. Good afternoon. This is Dr. Diva JC, and I'm a very special guest today. We're not playing any music, so those of you that are familiar with the music of trumpeter Lee Morgan, after this show, go listen to Sidewinder if you want to hear some good music. In the meantime, my guest is Larry Rennie Thomas from Chapel Hill, North Carolina. And Larry is a well known journalist and author. And he penned the book, The Lady Who Shot Lee Morgan. So we're going to be talking about that book and the subsequent movie, I Called Him. Morgan was the wife of Lee Morgan, and they had a shaky relationship from the beginning because of Morgan's addiction to drugs and, of course, the difficulties of being a musician and the wife of a musician. So I'm going to bring Larry Rennie Thomas in and let him tell us the story. Hi, Larry.
1: Greetings from the land of John Cole, James Monk, Max Roach, and Nina Simone.
0: (laughs) Okay. North Carolina.
1: Yeah. That's right. Heavyweights.
0: Well, you have the stories, I'm sure, but tonight I'd like to focus on the story of Lee Morgan. I do have one question before we begin. Were Helen and Lee legally married or were they a common law?
1: No, it was a common-law marriage. Uh, I've gotten some emails from some of his relatives in reference to the uh, article that I wrote and the book that I wrote. They seem to be disenchanted about it. and they were, I think they're disenchanted mostly because they don't get any royalties. Lee married a, a, a Japanese-American lady in Chicago, and she's the one who gets the royalties from his records, recordings. Okay. Well,
0: it's funny how people want to get royalties from somebody's cultural and intellectual uh, production, and they don't even know the person, (laughs) you know.
1: That's interesting. Yeah, I thought so too. But, yeah, she's the one who gets his royalties. He was legally married to her, and they never divorced. Her name is Kiko. Kiko. And she's still living. She lives in Chicago.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. So, Larry, first of all, Tell us a little bit about your background as a journalist and specifically as a jazz um, radio host.
1: Well, I started when I was in grad school here in Chapel Hill. This is where the University of North Carolina is located, and I started as a way to relieve some stress. I, I came down with an ulcer when I was writing my thesis, so... As a way of relieving some stress, I, I decided I, I would do a radio program. And when I started my program, I would do uh, I don't call it jazz; I call it American classical music. I did that from I did a, a four-hour show. I did from 12 to 2. I did uh, American classical music, jazz, and and for two other hours, I did some Caribbean music. And so after that, I got a job at a station getting paid. Doing jazz. So I've been at it since 1978. I worked at about maybe seven or eight different public radio stations, and the only thing I ever done was, was met a jazz radio announcer. I was working at a station down in Wilmington, my hometown on the coast, and that's where I met uh, Helen Morgan. I was doing a, a, a five-nighter, six-nighter, really, hosting a program that came out from 10 p.m. until 1 a.m., uh, Evening Jazz, it was called, and as a way of introducing myself to the class, I mentioned the fact that I was a, I was teaching her. I was, she was one of my students. And when I told her that I was a jazz radio announcer, she said, oh, I love jazz. My husband was a jazz musician, and her last name was Morgan. And it, she told me right away, I said, well, what was, what was your husband's name? And she said, Lee. And that's how I met Mrs. Morgan. That was around 1990.
0: Okay, and about your writing for
1: the New York Times and Downbeat magazine. Yeah, I wrote a piece. um, Basically, I've been doing stuff here in North Carolina. I wrote a piece for Downbeat uh, and and involved Woody Shaw. Woody Shaw is a native. I've I've recovered... I I do lectures called the Carolina Jazz Connection. I found that there's over 75 uh, jazz musicians who were born here in North Carolina. One of them was Woody Shaw. and Woody Shaw came down... Here to do um, a benefit. They were trying to start a Dizzy Gillespie a Jazz Hall of Fame, sorry, Jazz Hall of Fame, in in the town where where Woody was born. He was born in Lomburg. Of course, he grew up in Newark, cause his family moved there early. But that's how I got a piece. I wrote a piece on that benefit concert. And uh, Dizzy Gillespie attended school in Lawberg at Lawberg Institute. So he, they were trying to start something there. Uh, called the Jazz Hall of Fame So I wrote a piece I've, I've written a couple of pieces For Downbeat And the New York Times has to do with the other I've written three books The New York Times has to do with the with a, with a piece That I contributed to on the Wilmington 10 Who were political prisoners during the 70s So that's how I got in the New York Times magazine
0: Okay So now go ahead And just tell us about Your relationship With Helen Warden how the book came about and how it became the movie I call important, important, is being featured on Netflix. Yes. Uh,
1: well, I, like I said earlier, I'm, I met Mrs. Morgan when she was a student of mine. Uh, I, I had a couple of jobs when I was down in Wilmington at the radio station, and one of the jobs was teaching Western Civilization a history course because I have an MA in history a history course, at a satellite uh, program that was set up in Wilmington, which is a part of Shaw University. They have satellites all over the state of North Carolina. And one of them them was in Wilmington, and she just happened to be a student of mine. She was sitting up on She always sat up on the front, and she was very quiet most of the time. But I mentioned that I was a jazz radio announcer right away. She said, oh, I love jazz. My husband was a jazz musician, and she said her husband's name was Lee. So I, I, right away, I said, "Well, I sure would like to interview you one day." And she said, "She said I'll, I'll have to think about it." That was in 1990, and around 19, maybe, maybe, let's say 1989, 88, around that time, because it took her about six or seven years before she decided, consented to an interview. So I went over to her house and I interviewed her. I just set the tape recorder in front of her and she just talked. I didn't say much, I just let her talk. And she talked for almost two hours, told me all about her life with Lee Morgan. And she even got to the part where she shot him and everything. And uh, that was in February 1996. And in March 1996, she passed so i wrote an article as a result of the interview and posted it on the internet and i want to thank you for posting it on your site you were one of the first to do that a swedish filmmaker whose name is casper collin he um read it because it went from here to thailand i mean it's been changed into several different languages and it's been posted on several sites he contacted me he wanted to know if he could buy the rights to the interview because i recorded it so i i I said okay there was another guy in california who wanted to do who wanted to buy the rights but he wanted to put a hollywood spin on it but casper wanted to do something like a documentary so i agreed to go with casper and once that happened he actually came over here and we did he did some filming here in north carolina he I think he went out to l a he interviewed Wayne Shorter. He did a masterful job of putting it together, so that's how i I got in contact with casper after i after we he completed what he had to do here. I decided that I was gonna write a book on my experience that entire experience with meeting Mrs. Morgan. I think it's in five chapters when I met her and the interview uh the article and the movie. And I also have a concluding chapter, which is called A Cold Night in New York City. It's interesting. It's ironic because she met Lee Morgan on a cold night in New York City, and she killed him on a very cold, snowy night in New York City. So that's the the name of the last chapter of my book. I also have a poem that I wrote called um, A Cold Night in New York City. So that's what happened. I I, I met Casper, and Casper came here, and uh, he Took the movie together. I think it took him about seven years to do it. But I would, I would have never thought in a million years that the interview that I conducted with Mrs. Morgan would have received so much acclaim. I mean, it's been, it's been awesome. I just got back from Monterey, the Monterey Jazz Festival. They showed it out there, and I did a Q and A with a writer named Ashley Kahn. So I've been kind of busy, <laughs> to say the least. Okay.
0: And so, has the movie been built Shown?
1: At any film festivals that you know of? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It it was shown in uh, September 2016 in Toronto. I went up to Toronto for that. I think that was the first showing here in North America. It's been to the New York Film Festival in New York. Uh, It's been to Telluride. It's been, yeah, it's been to Vancouver Film Festival. Um, Yeah, it's made the rounds. It's made the rounds, yeah. Okay,
0: well, you know, I was fortunate enough to see it on Netflix, and and it was a revisitation for me because, as I Mm. told you when we first spoke several years ago, that Mm -hmm. I was a patron of slugs from the age of 19 until 21, maybe a little bit longer than that, 22, 23 and one night, I had the opportunity to actually sit in the same booth with Helen Morgan. And we walked over. Mm-hmm. And he the way that he spoke to her spoke volumes to me as a young woman. And I remember thinking, and I did tell you this, she's going to kill him one day. <laughs>
1: That's not funny to me. Yeah, no, you, you th- I remember not. I remember you telling me that, yeah.
0: hmm Yeah. And so and yeah. of course you you did put it in your book, you know, which which I you know, our lives are concurrent in that we have met so many jazz artists. Uh yeah. Woody Shaw is a musician that, you know, I rub shoulders with. So anyway, I was in South Lido four years later, and I was at the Transcendental Meditation Center. And Charles Lloyd was there, and he drove me from South Lido back to San Francisco. We actually met there, and he okay. drove me back. He had a milk truck for a vehicle. Really. And as soon as we got in the truck, he said, well, did you hear about Lee Morgan? And I said, no, what? And he said, well, Helen shot him. And I was just awestruck because of this feeling that I had had sitting in Mm -hmm. Slough that night. Slug was a very particular jazz club because... Mm. It was The location, first of all It was not in the village It was what they call the Far East In New York, right under the Williamsburg Bridge And mm. I was so addicted to being in slug That I would even drive there on Sunday nights When it was closed And sit outside in my car
1: <laughs> Really?
0: And it could be on very <laughs> cold nights, too.
1: <laughs> wow.
0: I you would love to read your poem. Could you read your poem? Do you have it available? Uh, let
1: me reach over here. And, yeah, I'd like to read it if you'd like. Maybe let me see if I can yeah, I have a well, copy I'm of make my book.
0: Our announcement. I'll give you 15 seconds to find it. We'll be right back.
1: Oh, okay. Okay.
0: You're listening to Music Woman Live with your host, Dr. Diva JC, supported by Women in Jazz South Florida, www.wijsf.org. Yes, so we're back, and my guest today is Larry Rennie Thomas, the author of The Lady Who Shot Lee Morgan, which has become an acclaimed film that is shown on Netflix now by the name of I Called Him Morgan. Are you there, Larry?
1: I'm here, yes. You you want me to read the poem? I have it in front of me.
0: Yes, I do.
1: Okay. The title is Cold Night in New York City. Cold night in New York City. No one has any pity when junkies look real silly walking around willy-nilly without a coat or two Looking very uncool. Sounding like a baby. Looking like a maybe. Where's your horn? How can you perform? In the pawn shop? What about your chops? Cold night in New York City. Speedball is a plenty. Taxi ride downtown. Vanguard. Slugs. Gun on the ground. Helen, I know you didn't mean to do it. Lee, why did you make me do it? Shoot you with no pity. Cold night in New York City. That's it.
0: Well, that's fabulous, and I do hope that I'm one of the few radio hosts that got the opportunity to have you read that. (laughs) Well, no, actually, you're the second. (laughs) I did did read
1: it for a lady out in in San Francisco when I was trying to promote my visit there, but you're the second, so, you know, you're in the mix.
0: (laughs) All right, now tell us a little bit about your lecturing. What do you lecture on?
1: Well, I lecture on the Carolina Jazz Connection. Um, basically, I talk about the fact that there are so many jazz musicians who were born in North Carolina. Of course, I just named the Big Four: the Train uh, and Monk and uh, Nina Simone and Max Roach. They were actually born here. Of course, they, their parents took t- took part in the um, the Great mi- Migration out of the South. But we're talking about people like Billy Taylor, who was born in Dr. Billy Taylor, who was born in Greenville, North Carolina. Woody Shaw. Uh Lonberg, um and this is uh, this is a, uh Percy Heath, the bass player who was born in my hometown. Percy and Jimmy Heath's father was actually born in in uh my hometown of Wilmington, North Carolina, and they actually attended high school with my parents. You know, so I mean this is uh and Duke Ellington's there's also all kind of connections. But Duke Ellington's father was born in North Carolina. Uh Charlie Ross is that used to play with Thelonious Monk. His parents, both of his parents were born in North Carolina. McCoy Tyner, both of his parents were born in North Carolina. It's just a fascinating subject, and that's got to be my next book. That's the next book, The Carolina Jazz Connection. Mm
0: -hmm. And Nina Simone, what is the city that
1: she's from or town? She's from uh, Tryon, North Carolina, which is out in out in uh, in the mountains. It's near Asheville. As a matter of fact, I, they 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 screen the movie out in Asheville. Asheville is the only place that they've screened the movie in North Carolina. We're trying to get it screened in Wilmington, and I went out there to do a book signing and 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 to do a Q and A when they showed it. And someone told me that they are trying to preserve her home out there, the way she was uh, raised, because it's it's not too far from Asheville. Roberta Flack is from that area. She's from, she was born in a place called Black Mountain, which is near uh, Asheville. So, yeah, this is fascinating. My, you can go to my blog spot. It's Carolina Jazz Connection with blog, And it, it'll it show okay, you. I'm
0: going to link that. So send me that yeah. link and put it on this sure. show. And the show will be archived by 5 o'clock. Great. Now, okay. I do want to tell you that my grandmother left my mother a small piece of land half a mile from downtown Asheville. So, I actually right. to too. Yeah.
1: Okay. Oh, wonderful.
0: <laughs> I enjoyed
1: being there. It was, that was my first time being in Asheville. I've never been there before to spend any m- amount of time. I think I probably stopped at the airport. But it was a fascinating place. I thought it was quite... The people were very hospitable, and it mm-hmm. they, seemed very warm, and they were very receptive to the film I Calls Your Morgan. They were fascinated by that film. Mm-hmm. It is an the
0: interesting film. area. Now, I want to ask you another thing. So, okay. you know, we sent each other each other's books, and in my book, A History of African American Jazz and Blues, I talk about how the music has been appropriated by European-Americans. Um, yes. But the, the, the part that I would like to discuss with you is Quincy Jones' interview, where he talks about the use of heroin amongst the musicians and that they almost used it as a, a, a ritual. You know, uh, mm-hmm. you had to use it to be part of the, the club you and mm-hmm. and it also was a stress reliever from the racism that the yes. uh, black male musicians were experiencing so yes. can you talk about that a little bit
1: i can I can certainly talk about it. I could bear witness because I'm a recovering heroin addict I was, I was i got addicted to heroin when I was in college. You know during the late uh, late sixties when i when I first went to school i uh, I think Helen sensed that I knew that entire world as a matter of fact, I was living in new york uh from the late sixties until the early seventies, and I was in New York when Lee was here but i wasn't I wasn't really interested in jazz I was interested in dope <laughs> unfortunately But I think she sensed that and I, and she kind of figured that I knew that that entire world, but one of the things that she talked about is the fact that they were aware, she she said some of the most highly intelligent people she's ever met were heroin addicts, and they would sit around and discuss things that she was fascinated by, and she said that one of the things they said was that it was not uh, an accident that the heroin was situated in Harlem. I mean, people were coming to Harlem buying, buying these drugs, and it was, uh, and later on, I found that the whole thing was had to do with COINTELPRO. Pro. I don't know if your listeners are familiar with COINTELPRO, Pro, but COINTELPRO Pro was a was a part of the you know the the government's effort to stifle the the Black Consciousness movement, and it yeah. did because people were yeah. uh you know there was in other words there was no accident that, that if you wanted to buy some drugs you went to 116th Street and Eighth Avenue, which is in the Spadefill middle of Harlem. That that was a, a quote-unquote plot, I guess, you know. But it's interesting now, I guess this is a sidebar, that now most of the junkies are now in Vermont and New Hampshire and places like that. So it's like a boomerang effect. But, yeah, there's no question about it. Um, uh, I, they, it, it couldn't be an accident at all. I, I don't know if it was and most of the – no, one of the things she told me was, Lee, that Art Blakey was the one who turned all these musicians on. I mean, it was yeah. common knowledge that Art Blakey was an heroin addict. Art Blakey would try to turn most of the guys who, were, who was in his band on, but some of them resisted, like guys like Wayne Shorter and and Benny Colson. She she couldn't stand Art. Helen hated Art, and I said, why? She said, well, because Art was the one who turned Lee on to heroin. Yeah. And, and, and Lee 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 said, well. How long does the high last? This is what Helen said. And and she said the art said forever. Mm.
0: Mm.
1: Mm. So that's, well, that's you know, what's
0: also interesting is that I had a close relationship before in his later years with Philly Joe Jones. Right. Who used heroin with Billie Holiday. Yes. And Billy always told me, stay away from that. But his son, right. Chris Jones, was addicted. Okay.
1: Yes. And yes.
0: Uh, then you mentioned another um, drummer, Art Taylor. And Art Taylor wrote the book, Was It Notes and Tones?
1: yeah it's an excellent book, yeah I like that book, yeah
0: and i think uh i'm I met art in New York. I think I probably bought the book either from him or certainly right around that time. that would have been yes. in the late sixty sixty nine seventies uh or I could have met him a little later in eighty because mm-hmm. i went i left New York. And yes. I went back in '82, so yeah, the drug culture—I mean, it caught up a lot of the singers too, because Gloria yes. Lynn um, was addicted. Um, I'm try- of course, Billie Holiday. Um, yes. I don't think that Carmen, Ella, and Sarah. And Betty. I don't think that they were addicted. But I know you know, I know that it was really a downer yeah. for a lot of people. Oh
1: It was bad. it was it was, uh, it was horrible it was during the so late sixties to be in Harlem. It was pitiful. Yeah. yeah. It was like it Harlem looked like bombed out Berlin. It was pitiful. Yeah. And it was t- t- it was strategic, you know, and when you, when, you, when you start researching it and sit back and, and, and analyze it and look at the, the data, you, you, see, you see that it was, it was strategically placed in the Af- African-American communities to destroy the Black mm-hmm. Consciousness Movement, to destroy very creative people, you know, and, and they, you know, but Black don't crack. <laughs> you know, they can't get yeah. rid of us. You, can, you know, we don't crack, you know. Take, we've gone to, uh, you know, I mean, we survived, survived the Middle Passage. We right. can survive Trump. I know we can survive Trump. <laughs> yeah. You know, so you know, we we we. It's it's unfortunate, but it's just one of those things. You know, all of them, not all of them were on this. Some of them were. I was able to shake it. You know, so you you can shake it. You know, just just make your mind up that you're not going to be captured by this beast. So that's what it is. And it's, then it's a trick.
0: there was crack. You know.
1: And so yes, yes. many
0: of got, like, I was in Philly for six years, yes. and I knew some really monstrous musicians who were strung out yes. on crack at the beginning. Yes. And I just feel so fortunate that I didn't get trapped in that.
1: Right. You know? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So. It's a trick. It's a trick, you know. It's
0: I would yeah. like to ask your opinion, or you don't have to talk about it here, but when mm. we're off the air, I'd like to get your opinion about my book because I haven't been able to get a lot of people to read it
1: It's excellent, I love it yeah you you think just like i do <laughs> you know, your your sentiments are my sentiments exactly I thought it I haven't completed it, but i I think I've gone about three fourths of the way through it. It's it's a it's it's excellent. I love it. Yeah, well, I, I love did the, I love the art bite. and everything.
0: I got yeah. a bite from one of the school districts that is interested mm-hmm. in purchasing it for the high school students okay. because it's very important for people to understand that jazz and blues is the voice of Africans in America. And that right. their intellectual property was yes. stolen, misappropriated. Of course,
1: yeah. That's mis-packaged, right.
0: Mispackaged, yeah. miscommercialized, just right. stolen, right. you know, and taken yeah. away from our community. That's right.
1: That's right. Yeah. So, it, it's Yeah. It's, it's black people crying out for help. That's what it is. It's the most political yeah. music in the world. It's the most sophisticated music in the world, created by the most sophisticated people in the world, African Americans. Africans. We're yeah. the most sophisticated people in the world. We just have yeah. to convince other folks that we're sophisticated, you know. So I think it's an excellent book. I would like to see it used at, at, at least as a supplement in a jazz edu- education history course. It should be. It's an excellent yeah. book. But they don't they want well, to hear that.
0: We have one <laughs> minute left. I think that you and I should continue to talk. Okay? Okay? Say that again? Can we do what? I think we should continue to talk.
1: Okay. No problem. Okay? Okay.
0: So this show is coming to an end. I appreciate your time. And I look forward to meeting you face to face one day.
1: Oh, no question about it. Me, too. You've you've really helped me along by posting it, first of all, on your, what is it, FYI
0: site? Yeah, on Words We Speak, my blog, Words We Speak, yeah.
1: Oh, I use it, yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me on your program. I've enjoyed it.
0: Okay, and we're going to talk about the wives of musicians next, okay? Okay. Thank you. Thank you so much. I enjoyed it. Bye-bye. You're listening to Music Woman Live with your host, Dr. Diva J.C., supported by Women in Jazz, South Florida, www.wijsf.org.